This is episode 33 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Lori Bergley. Lori is the best-selling author of three equestrian romance novels, Where the Bluegrass Grows, Kicking On, and Taking Off. Where the Bluegrass Grows was published in 2016 and takes place in gorgeous Lexington, Kentucky. It features main character Molly Sorensen. Kicking On, a semi-sequel, was published in 2019 and takes place in Maryland's horse country. It is Macy Holland's first story. Finally, Taking Off, also published in 2019, takes readers south to the Plains, Virginia, where Aaron Sorensen takes center stage. All of Lori's books contain a host of both horse and human characters, plenty of equestrian action, and some steamy love scenes. Lori is also a freelance writer and editor, and the majority of her equestrian articles can be found in Horse and Style magazine. She has also copy-edited numerous novels for other independent authors. When not reading or writing horse books, Lori is hard at work taking care of her many animals that reside on her farm in Northern Maryland, where she lives with her husband, James. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have my friend and fellow author Lori Bergley on the show today. Hi, Lori. Hi, Carly. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. Lori is the woman behind the very successful blog, Maryland Equestrian, and she's written several books, which we're going to get into today here. But I always like to kick off the interviews with uh, asking how your love affair with horses began. I grew up with horses in my backyard. My mom always rode. She always had horses and we grew up on a small farm. And so I always had one or two horses right outside, which was just, you know, a dream come true for a horse crazy kid. I don't know. I think that I would have loved horses no matter what, even if my mom hadn't ridden. But of course, like having them right there at my fingertips, like helped it perpetuate the horse crazy so I don't remember I don't think I have a single memory of myself as a child not loving horses and being horse crazy so I think it was just always a part of me since um birth really (laughs) that's amazing and what a cool bond to be able to share with your mom a love of horses I imagine there were horse shows that you went to together and you got to do trail rides together trail rides. Um, I was in 4-H and then my sister, my younger sister rides as well. So the three of us were always outside doing something, riding, um, showing a little bit during the summers. And then we lived next door to a state park growing up. So there's lots of trail riding as well. Oh, that's so cool. That's like, that's like the ultimate dream for a, for a horse loving yeah. anyone, you know, oh, that's, that's right. so great. And, you know, this is a great segue. <clears throat> You own your own farm in Maryland, and I'd love to hear about your furry friends, including your newest addition to your herd. You have a new horse. My husband and I have a small farm in Maryland, not too far from where I grew up, 
uh, we have um, about five acres and we have eight animals. Uh, one very elusive, uh, very old indoor cat, which she doesn't make uh, my Instagram very often because she's hard to catch. Um, I have two barn cats who are fantastic. They get locked up in my tack room every night so they're safe. I don't have to worry about them being eaten by anything. Um, I have two dogs and then I have three horses. And so one of them I got in November. So he's my new one. They are all thoroughbreds. Um, two of them raced. My new one was trained to race, but he never made it to the track. He is five. He is huge. He's 17-1. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, he's <laughs> quite a bit bigger than I was hoping for. But I'm almost 5'9", so it works out. Uh, we're both pretty tall, but we're taking things slow. He's been a real good boy so far, but you know, no rush. We're just going to take his training, you know, day by day and hopefully uh, do some hunter jumper stuff with him. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And, and, and anyone who follows Maryland Equestrian on Instagram knows uh, just how active you are with your fur babies and, and they get to see pictures of you showing. And we're going to talk about your Instagram channel and Maryland Equestrian a little bit here as we move into the interview. But I imagine your thoroughbreds there at home help inspire uh, your your book. So you know, I want to I want to start the interview off talking you know about your book. Um, you know, why horse books? Like, how did you get started? What excites you about writing horse books? Uh, talk talk to right. us a little bit about that. So I am an active reader. Have always been an active reader, and I read anything and everything for the most part. But always, you know, as a horse person, a horse crazy person, I would you know, naturally gravitate to horse books. And the equestrian romance are my favorite to read. So I wanted to read more, exactly, right? <laughs> so I wanted to read more of my favorite things. So I decided why not try to write one? Um, when I first got started, I would always write a little bit just for fun. Like I was always working on some projects, um, fiction related projects, but nothing ever really stuck. And then I started writing what became Where the Bluegrass Grows. And that was just the first piece of writing that really stuck. And I probably worked on it, I'd say, five, at least five years before I finished the first draft. Not even publish it, but just the first draft. And so it took a long time. Um, I was working full time at a job that I had to commute, I think, about an hour and a half each way. So, And then I had the horses and my husband in the house and all that kind of stuff. So writing just kind of took a back seat and it would be months and months sometimes between picking it up and working on it. But I just stuck with it. And I got to the point where I really liked my characters and I really wanted to continue their story and see what happened and see where it went. And so that's just kind of how it developed. And um, it just, I ended up wanting to write about what I wanted to read. So that's how it started. That's awesome. And, you know, I share that with you. Like, my, it, I think with first books, it always takes a little longer and it, and it, you know, often takes a backseat and sometimes you shelf it because self-doubt creeps in. And I think everybody's first yeah. book takes a while to reach that point. But I do believe that if you've got a story to tell, like the characters in the muse will not mm -hmm. leave you alone, which is probably right. why you kept circling back to that book. Yeah. Exactly. And I totally feel you on, you know, writing about what you like to read. Uh, we are both equestrian romance authors, which makes me so yep. happy. We both write for adults, which is yep. kind of a little bit of a rarity. Um, 
in our niche. And, and I just, I love it. I've got a fellow equestrian romance yeah. author going on. <laughs> so, um, you know, tell us about your books for horse lovers. I love your series. I love your books. I, and, and I just finished actually reading the third book, which we're going to, I'm going to ask you to talk about. And it was so good. I couldn't put it down. I read it in a day. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I, I feel like we, are, we have a similar kind of uh, journey because, you know, we're, we're both now three books deep and, yeah. you know, we both have been hanging out and talking with each other and, and building our author friendship and which has then turned into a friendship. And we're, you know, we both talk about how our writing is getting stronger and better with each book that we uh, write. And I'm totally, I loved your first book. I loved your second book. I loved your third book, but I'm, it's been so fun to follow your journey and, and watch your writing grow. Tell us about your book series for uh, horse lovers. Sure. Absolutely. So my first book that I was uh, talking about is where the blue grass grows. So I published this in 2016 and um, this is the one that probably start to finish, you know, start to actual publication date was maybe seven years in the middle. There are things that I wrote in here that are so, were so outdated by the time I actually published it that I had to go back and change things just about social media and like a reference to Facebook, you know, that, that things that they didn't do that anymore. So I had to like go and change that real quick. One is uh, Molly Sorensen's story. That's my main character. Molly is a fiction writer um, and she is also a horse girl. She lives in Maryland and then she, um, breaks up with a boyfriend. She just kind of has enough of her current situation and she decides to go to Kentucky for the summer and spend the summer with her best friend, Macy. So then she meets someone there and then it's kind of just the ups and downs of a new relationship and, and whatnot. And then as I was writing that story, I really fell in love with the character Macy. She was totally different from Molly, um, similar background, but just a completely different person, still a horse person. And then I was, as I was writing, where the bluegrass grows, I decided, I think my next book's going to be about Macy. And so that wasn't something that I had initially wanted. I, I didn't even know if I was going to have a series. I didn't know that the characters were going to change. It was just something that happened very organically because I just really liked her character and I felt she deserved her own story. So Macy's story is kicking on, which I published um, in January of 2019. So a couple of years in between, um, I did end up writing this a little faster, still took about three years. Um, so that was, you know, not super quick, but quicker than where the bluegrass grows. And then kind of similar to when I was writing this one, um, one of another one of my supporting characters, Erin, um, I just, I really fell in love with her. And again, she's, you know, has this interesting story. And then as I was working my way through kicking on, I was like, well, my next one's going to be about Aaron. And then this is taking off. And I published this in, I think it was November of 19. So I actually published two in one year. This one, I started writing immediately after publishing Kicking On. And I finished it, the first draft in six months, which is a record. I will never hit that again. <laughs> uh, I was really proud of myself, but, um, and then so edited and got everything else together and then published it just a couple months later. So those two went out in 2019. Um, I have a lot of little projects in the works, but I don't have anything on the calendar right now for, for publication. So. Well, that's cool. I, after reading the third book, taking off, I am now 
chomping at the bit for, <laughs> for the next book um, because I'm really interested <clears throat> to see where you take those characters. That's so cool. So, you know, you said you wrote two books in one year and you hit, you got one, you know, written, edited and out in six months. That is amazing. How, Thanks. tell us how you did that. Did you, did you have a writing routine? Did you put some things to the side and just really focus? Like, because that, that's fast. You know, I think yeah. I'm lucky if I get after the hurdle of the first book, I'm lucky to, you know, right. get one book out a year. So I think right. I'd love to hear what your strategy was. Yeah. So, um, after I published Kicking On, I got a lot of very positive, very immediate feedback. And so I'm sure you know when you get that praise and, you know, people are like, oh my God, I love this. What's next? Like, when's the next one coming? Like, that is so motivating. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, you know, everybody wants the third book. I just got to do it. I just got to, you know, force myself to do it. And I was last year, um, I'm self-employed, as you know, and so last year, right around that time, business was, it was busy, but we seemed to be in, not a lull per se, but I had a little bit more time to write than I do now, and so what I tried to do is every morning was, you know, I did work for our, our company, and then in the afternoon, I tried to set um, some time aside to write, and I made a brief outline, and I just really tried to stick to writing one to three hours every single day and so I tried to touch the book in some way whether it was editing or whatever almost every day it didn't always work but because I was really so motivated and so focused and I had a little extra you know free time um, I was able to really push through it um, things are a little different now I don't have quite as much time I'm trying to make more time um, but it's just been hard but like I said I think I was just like on that high from publishing kicking on and I was like I'm just going to ride this wave and, you know, write as much as I can while I have as much time as I do. And then, um, you know, it, and, and it does get easier too. It does. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it does. You know, writing yeah. that first book, it was like almost torture. And then the <laughs> second one got easier, but by the third, it's like, you really get into that groove and you're just like, okay, this is, this is not as hard as, you know, the first one was, and you're able to kind of push it out a little quicker. Yeah. And I think it's because you, you know now that you can you can do it right yeah. and then you also i think through the process of writing a couple of books um, you learn what routines work for you what i'm hearing is you were very diligent about routine and carving that mm -hmm. one to two hours every day to touch your book and i'm the same way if i'm touching my i try and touch my story every day because then it keeps the momentum going forward and even when you're not at your desk sitting and writing if you touch it every day you're still thinking about it so i'll make little notes to myself throughout the day and and uh Move, move myself forward faster. So uh, I love, I love that you explained that. And, uh, you know, I've been watching your book and the comments that you're getting on your social media channels. And I know that people are really liking this one too. And they're saying, yeah. when's the next one coming? Yeah. So <laughs> there's um, your incentive. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's really exciting. And I really love the the covers. I know that you uh, recently recovered where the bluegrass yeah. grows, and then you know they all kind of have this really beautiful imagery. So, so talk to us about the covers. Like, how did you decide what covers you wanted to do, and and who did you work with to design those covers? So this is the original cover for where the bluegrass grows, and I always liked it, but I never loved it. Um, you know, once I had finished it and I was ready to publish. I was in such a hurry because I was like, it's done. This mm -hmm. is taking years. Let's just get it out. Let's just get it out. And instead of 
kind of taking my time and searching for the right cover, I ended up grabbing this one, which um, my husband took this photo and he's a fantastic photographer, don't get me wrong, but um, what you don't see in this photo over here is my sister and my brother-in-law doing a trash of the dress session <laughs> after their wedding. But I loved the farm. It's a farm that we used to board our horses at um, briefly. And so it's just, you know, there's that personal connection with it. And so I said, you know, can we crop them out and do this? And just, I just wanted like a nice country scene. And so we made it work, but I never really felt like it was right because I felt like I rushed it. Um, but I just kept, you know, I just kept it because I felt like, you know, at that point, I didn't know that I could change it later on. I just kind of felt like maybe I was locked in. So that one stayed for a couple of years. And then when I was ready to publish Kicking On, I reached out to um, a local photographer that I know, and she shoots a lot of local events, people chasing fox hunting, that sort of thing. And I said, hey, it's kind of what I'm looking for. Do you have any photos that might fit? And um, she just kind of sent me an online link to a bunch of different galleries. And as I was clicking through, when I saw this one, I just, I loved the open space up here. I love, I mean, the rider, I mean, she's just fantastic equitation. Oh, beautiful. And, you know, it does take place, like there is some fox hunting in this story. So I just kind of felt like it was really applicable. And it was like instant. I was like, that's my, that's my cover. And then same with taking off the rider. I, you can't see her face, but um, she's a local writer. Her, her name is Courtney Sendak, and she's a local eventer. I follow her on social media, and she posted this after, you know, it was, it was a, a larger picture. And there, there was some distance in between. Um, but when she posted it online, I was like, that's it. That's my cover for Aaron, because Aaron is an eventer. And, you know, I think this is just perfect. And so at that point, when I was getting ready to do this, I was like, okay, I'm going to give everything a refresh as well and that's when I decided to give where the bluegrass grows a refresh same thing I follow um this photographer on um Instagram her name is Mary Spear and she had just posted that picture and it was just you know on her grid and I messaged her and I said I think this would be great for my book cover can I buy the photo from you and she said sure and so it was just with all of my covers that I you know really love it was just instant when I saw it I knew um yeah. and so I kind of gone back and forth about do I want a horse in every cover, you know, because I want, I feel my books, non-horse people can read and understand and follow along, even though of course they're geared for equestrians. So I didn't want to remove the non-horse people from purchasing it, you know, cause there was a horse front and center. But at the end of the day, I just figured, you know, it is about horses and hopefully have you know a non-horse person wouldn't be you know wouldn't see this cover and still like not go you know, go the other way because there's a horse on it so I don't know that was kind of for picking all of them it was just an instant thing where I felt like that these are my covers so and they're beautiful and I think they resonate perfectly with your series and then with they look they match up nicely with each other and they resonate with your your main characters and that's great uh, and, and then you did update the cover to where bluegrass grows in Amazon. And I think there used to be a rumor that if you change the cover in Amazon, that you would have to republish the book and lose your reviews. And that's not the case. You were able to just swap the files, right? Yep. It was actually really easy. I swapped the files. Um, I think I had to, to change some of the text inside too, because I wanted to give the photo credit to the new photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, but even that was simple. 
you know, it, it, it didn't take long at all, but yeah, it was just a quick file swap and nothing changed. I don't think the cover changed in Goodreads. So I'm mm -hmm. going to have to double check that. Mm -hmm. um, but for Amazon, it was instant and no issues. All the reviews are still there. Everything was fine. That's great to hear because, you know, they actually, you know, the, whoever they are, they recommend, <laughs> they recommend up, uh, refreshing or updating your covers ever so often to give the books kind of like a, a new mm -hmm. life. And you can do that through refreshing the cover. So it's nice to hear that you don't lose right. any of the reviews that yeah. you gained on the books because reviews are very hard to um, generate, you know, by asking right. readers and reaching out. Right. So, so that's really good news. I love that. Um, and thank you for sharing that. And then with Goodreads, you actually there, it's like managed by librarians. So there's actually, if you look it up, you can actually email a librarian that manages the Goodreads account and they will swap the cover for you. So oh, it's, okay. pretty, it's a pretty easy change. Good to know. Yeah. Cause I noticed the other day, I don't think it changed. Cause I just figured it was, if it was linked to Amazon, it would automatically, but it didn't. So yeah, I don't like put that in my brain to get back to that and try to figure that out. Yeah, actually I had to do it for Chopin promise when I mm -hmm. put the third book up there and I couldn't, uh, for some reason, the cover didn't load. So actually, if you go to my Chopin yeah. Promise page, you can see the email that I sent to the librarian, copy it and use it. And then you oh, okay. just do the same thing for in the contact, I think is there too. So you can just Perfect. do that easily without having to think too hard. So the example's Thank right you. there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This is the power of authors uniting, you know, making yeah. life easier for each other. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I really wanted to ask you about this too. You write equestrian romance for adults like I do, and you kind of touched on this a little bit about the, why you did that, but what does equestrian romance mean to you and why, why this particular genre for your books? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, like I said, like I want to, I want to write about what I like to read. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I know I'm, you know, we aren't the first people to write equestrian romance by any means, but I felt like there just wasn't a, a lot out there. And then I feel like what was out there was definitely young adult. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I absolutely still read some young adult stuff. I like, you know, a horse book is a horse book and there's some fabulous young adult authors out there, but you read this stuff and you're just like, hmm, I'm not 16. I really feel like I need something a little more, you know, my speed, something that your average 20, 30, 40 something would pick up and really enjoy and not feel like, you know, it was like kind of high schoolish. Um, so for me, I definitely wanted to keep it 18 and above. And so, you know, there are some romantic scenes. Um, you know, I, I have some young nieces who were like, I can't read your, wait to read your book. And I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> But it's still so like, page thirteen. It is romantic, yeah. but but I I don't I, you by no means went over the top with with your romantic scenes. But there's just that little extra, mm, yeah. That like in a like in a eighteen plus reader would would want to to have. Right. Yeah. Right. That's cool. And I just I I guess I also just wanted to write a nice easy read, feel good. You know, like you would take this to the beach don't have to use a lot of brain power to read it and enjoy it. And then when you're done, you feel good. You know, I, there's a lot of, like I said, I, I'm a big reader and I read all kinds of things. And, you know, I love the books that make you think and the books that are, you know, you're, you put down and you're like, what just happened, you know, but at the same time, we're so busy. There's so much going on in this world. It, it's so nice to just slip away 
and it, you know, no drama, easy read. And when you, when you put it away, you feel good. You've got a smile on your face. And especially I wanted to feel like I had this connection with each of my characters as well. That, and I used to be in a book club and I remember telling the girls in the club, for me, what makes a really good book is if I really like the main character and I feel like I could be friends with her. Mm. You know, sometimes you read and like the main characters are a little more challenging and you're just like, she's kind of a jerk, you know, like you like her, but you're just like, I don't know if I'd be friends with her. But so like, I, when I feel like I can relate to my characters and I feel like, oh, she and I would be best friends. Like that makes me feel good. because like, I know her, I want to know her. And so like, I just wanted to create you know, some literature that people would feel good when they were done and, and, you know, enjoy and pass along to their friend at the barn, you know, to enjoy as well. Absolutely. Your books are very satisfying. I always feel very satisfied when I finish reading the books. And what I really like too, is that you, uh, your, your lead characters are very likable, but I also really like that they're strong women. Mm -hmm. I really like that they have powerful friendships with other women Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really, and I really like that they're, you know, your characters are out there living their dream and trying new things. And like, it, it, they're just, they're like good women and great examples of, of women and how I think women should be all supporting and networking with each right. other and lifting each right. other up and encouraging each other to follow their dreams. So mm-hmm. well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, which do you prefer, independent publishing or tra- traditional publishing? I think we kind of already figured out that you're independently published because mm-hmm. you were able to swap your own covers and you designed your own covers. Talk to us right. about why you made the decision to independently publish. I think, well, to be honest, I didn't even try to publish traditionally. I didn't reach out to anyone. I didn't send any, you know, query letters. I didn't try to get a hold of anyone to represent me or be my agent or whatnot. I don't, to be honest, I don't even really know the whole process behind it. Um, I just, going into it, I just knew I was going to self-publish and it was just going to be, you know, the path for me. Years ago, when I was working on Where the Bluegrass Grows, but I was nowhere near publishing, I went to, um, it was like a little lunch and learn that my work had put on and a local author came in and she kind of just spoke to us and she just answered some questions. So like, you know, all of the readers are there that had gone to this lunch and um, her name is Erica Roebuck and she publishes historical fiction and she doesn't live too far from me. And at this point, her first novel was self-published and then all of her novels since have been traditionally published. And I, you know, somebody asked her about like the pros and cons of each. And to be honest with you, I can't remember now what they were, but as she was talking about it, I just kind of felt like self-publishing was for me. Like I was going to have a little more control over my work. I was going to have a little more flexibility. Um, Maybe I wouldn't make as much, or maybe I wouldn't have as many marketing, uh, as much marketing help as she did with some of her traditional ones. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was like, that's a lot of hoops to jump through. And so traditional, I mean, so self-published for me all the way. Uh, I guess if I was approached by a publishing house that was like, hey, like, come write your next one with me. Like, I would think about it, but it's not something that I'm going to pursue or, you know, go after my own and say like, hey, I want to make these connections and try to do this one, you know, this particular avenue next time. I think for me, it's it's the self-publishing gives me the control I, I feel I need to get it out there when I want, when I, you know, where I want and um, make changes as I see fit, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and I like that too about independent publishing is you have a lot of 
control with right. with your intellectual property. You can cover right. them the way you want. You we actually do make a little bit higher royalty rates, so you are making yeah. more money. Yeah. Um, you know, so there there are pros and cons, and actually a lot of authors, particularly as I've been talking with people on the podcast, are hybrids. So people are are yeah. doing both, like you like you said. And I like, I've already said this before, but I like to equate it to sort of like the indie music movement or the independent film movement where, you know, you independently create these things and, you know, there's a swell of local activity around it. And then often they can become these huge successes. So it just depends on what's right for you. And I, what I like about it is being able to have the control, but also not have to work under a deadline. I I don't feel like I do my best work when I have to perform Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do my best work when I'm creating because I love to be creating, but right. you know, it's a, yeah. Okay. I love that. And then, you know, this question kind of goes along with it. Is there uh, one common myth about our profession or field that you want to debunk or say, Hey, that's not right. <laughs> um, in general, I don't think so, but just among like my family and my friends, there's this, I guess there's this, you know, notion that oh my goodness she's an author she makes so much money oh she's published three books she must be rolling in it and like 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 family members have said that and like close friends who you know they just they don't know the, the publishing world um have said that kind of stuff and I'm just like no no <laughs> um for me this I know there are self-published authors out there making a full-time living on this um, actually, I think I know quite a few of them who do, and that's fantastic. For me, I can't publish quick enough. Mm. But I think in order to be able to do that, you need to put out three novels a year. That's mm. kind of a guess based on, you know, me thinking through what I make on my novels. And so, and then you just have to have just, you know, this volume. You have to have 10 plus novels for people to bounce around to, like once you get your your readership and your particular audience. Um, and from a time perspective, I just can't do that. I would love to publish that much and write that much, but I can't do that. So for me, it's a hundred percent a part-time thing, mm-hmm. but, um, so to my family and friends out there, I'm not getting rich on this. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet anyway, but I think you really, touched, right. I think right. you really touched one on day. Something. Right. <laughs> well, you really touched on something too. It's, it's off the, the authors that are making a living at being an author often have very deep backlist. So there there yeah. are a lot of books for people to consume because the right. more books you have, the more money you make and the more mm-hmm. streams there are to generate. You know, there's the audiobook, there's the ebook, um, you know, there's exactly. paperback, there's potential for, you know, TV, television, what you know, right. movies, what have you. But the more you have exactly the more success you have. So you're building an empire slowly. You know, yeah. we're, we're building our empires book by book. Yeah. Book by book. Book by book. Uh and I wanted to switch gears a little bit too. And you are the woman behind the popular equestrian blog, Maryland Equestrian, and the Maryland Equestrian Instagram channel. Um, yes. When did you realize you wanted to combine your love of horses with starting a blog and then writing books? Right. Um, so the blog I started in 2011. So it was a long time ago. And initially, when I started, um, I had I had gotten Misty, that's my first off the track there, but I gotten her a couple years prior and I wanted to start just kind of like this online journal about our training and her retraining, you know, from racehorse to riding horse and you know whatnot. And so that's initially how it started. And 
you know, it was really just focused on me and Misty. And then as things started to change a little bit, I felt like I don't really have anything new to talk about with her training. It changed to just kind of overall equestrian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's when I felt like the blog kind of, you know, started to take a little bit more shape with the things I really focused on. You know, I still talked about, you know, my personal horses and what I was doing around the farm and whatnot. But I, that's when I started doing the book reviews. That's when I would start talking about, you know, equestrian decor and things like that. And it started to take a little bit more shape. So, you know, I was always writing in some capacity, whether it was the blog or articles or whatnot. And so for me, like that's just a creative outlet. And that's right around the same time. Yeah, I think for the most part, right around the same time when I started writing what became Where the Bluegrass Grows. And so it was just, if I had time in the evening, I sat down, I would either write a blog post or sometimes I would, you know, try to work on my book or whatever it was at that moment. I wasn't quite sure what it was going to turn into or turn out to be. But so just kind of one kind of led to the other, just, you know, but all from the foundation of wanting to sit down and write something and wanting to create something, whether it was nonfiction, hey, this is what I'm doing with Misty at the moment, or circling back to this book. So it's just, it's just my love of writing is what what started it all. Oh, that's so great. You know, I think that's a common thread between a lot of the people that I'm uh, interviewing on the show. I mean, the the common threads in our life is a love of writing and a love of horses. And it's just kind of all come together, you know, through the course of our life and opened up all these great possibilities for us. Uh, And then you, you also... I, you know, you are considered an equestrian influencer. You, you recommend brands, you work with brands, you do product reviews and book reviews. How, how do you decide what you want to showcase on the Maryland equestrian or, you know, like what, how do you decide which brands you want to work with? Well, to be honest, I don't really consider myself an influencer. I think by, you know, most standards I am, but it's not something that I had set out to do. When I started my Instagram, um, when I started it years ago, it was just my personal account. You know, I didn't, I didn't have one. My friends literally grabbed my phone one night and, you know, downloaded Instagram and and helped me get started. And they're like, what do you want your name to be? And at that point, you know, I just named it after my blog. Uh, But I, so I kind of joined like totally under duress and, and just, and then went from there. Like I just started followers and connecting with people and it was a lot of fun um so it wasn't something I set out to do and then so as far as you know I feel like everybody has their niche you mm-hmm. know with with their Instagram and, and whatnot and some people focus on uh you know riding clothes and apparel and some people are you know home decor you know that sort of thing and I feel like at this point my niche really is books mm-hmm. and so I get a lot of authors who will reach out to me and say hey if I send you a copy of my book will you review it on your Instagram or your blog or whatnot and I'm always like sure like if I can help someone you know promote their their books and their work and get some exposure I absolutely do a lot of times I am promoting things that just I like like I have not been in touch with authors or anything like that I don't get paid for any of this I don't ask for any money um sometimes I will get products for free but other than that I'm not you know, this is not a job for me. I'm not making any money off of it. Um, As far as other products that I would promote, you know, I I typically wait for businesses to contact me because again, I'm not going out trying to get this type of work. I'm not trying to do this. And so if somebody reaches out to me and it is something that I know I will love and use regularly, I'm so happy to help you. If it's something I feel like this is, I'm not really the right spot for it. I'm not really the right fit. 
I'll actually recommend other influencers that I think might do a better job. Um, for example, you know, I'm not much of a jewelry person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I'll get sometimes people will be like, I want to send you this horse ring or this, that, and the other. And it's just like, it's beautiful. I love it, but I'm not a jewelry person. I'm not going to wear it often. And so I think, you know, you'll get more exposure over here and I'll send them somewhere else. Um, but for books, come to me all day long. Um, <laughs> Watch out. You're going to get flooded. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, and I recently partnered with um, Redding Goat, which is a, a technical outerwear company. You don't need this because you live in Arizona, but if you live in a cold weather climate, you absolutely need this. Um, and they, you know, they sent me one and I, like, it has been a game changer this winter. Um, basically it's like a Carhartt suit, but it's just beautiful. It's form fitting. You can ride in it. It's everything that you, that equestrians need. And Ooh. so I've been working with them and like, it, again, it's a product that I just love. And so like, I have to feel like I'm wild about it, you know, if I'm going to actually promote it. But in general, you know, I don't, you know, if I, if I put something on my Instagram, just know I'm crazy about it. So that's, that's cool. So, so you're a hundred percent authentic and you a hundred percent represent things that you love and that you like. And I love that your, you know, influencer status is like a happy accident just by doing what yep. you love. I think that is so cool. Thank you. Yeah, totally has been. (laughs) And that's so great. I mean, and then you, what I love too, is thank you for supporting the equine author community as well. I know that you've supported my books and, you know, Mm -hmm. people, you recommend books and you take pictures with books that you're reading that you Mm -hmm. like. And, you know, thank you for that support because I do believe that we are stronger working together because people who love horses are going to love books about them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. whoever likes your book will like my book, will like their book, you know, so we're all kind of working together here. And I, I love that community aspect. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're also, I mean, we talked about your love of writing. You're also a freelance writer too. Um, how did you get into freelance work and like what topics do you like to cover and and tell us about the the publications that you write for? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I got into freelance work, uh, quite some time ago and it was just 100%. I just, wanted to make some extra money. Um, as you know, horses aren't cheap and <laughs> any little extra money I can make um, just from these like little side gigs and freelance gigs, 100% goes into, you know, my horse hobby. Um, you know, I don't have like a separate account or anything, but like, I just know, like if I pick up this, you know, gig, oh, I can go get those breeches I want. Or if I do this, I can afford to do that show. Um, So it was just, you know, extra side money. I reached out to a bunch of publications proactively. I just would email the editor and say, hey, you know, I'm a self-published writer. Um, I'm a blogger. And I would just send them like my resume, a portfolio, some of my work, some samples and say like, I'd love to write for you if you have any openings. Um, And then, or sometimes I would just submit article ideas, like specifically, like, hey, I think this particular article would would work well in your next issue. Um, and sometimes they would respond back and be like, absolutely, like, let's get started. And other times they would be like, oh, you know, I'll reach out to you if we need you. We're full right now, which is great. Um, I started writing for Horse and Style magazine in 2015. So it's been quite a while now. Um, and I have a couple regular columns with them. I'll bounce around a little bit with what I write about, but typically I will cover, I always do their horse book reviews. Mm. Obviously that mm. one's my favorite. 
Um, and then I have a couple other columns that I'll do where I highlight new products. Um, I'll feature equestrian um, homes or barns, uh, just that sort of thing. And, and sometimes I'll fill in gaps too with whatever they need at that time. So they're my main freelance clients. Um, I've also written for Sidelines Magazine. I've written for Equestrian Living or it might be EQ Living. Um, it was Equestrian Quarterly. They've rebranded a couple of years ago. And then I also wrote for Coverside, which is a magazine for fox hunters. So, Ooh. yeah, so I've, I've done a little bit and I've gotten quite a bit in print, which is fun to always see that byline. Um, and then also, as you know, I do some freelance editing as well. So I've had um, multiple self-published authors come to me to, to do their last big copy edit before they, you know, hit publish. So I like to do that because then I get the sneak peek. I get to read it before everybody else does. And I yes, feel like yeah. I know something great, you know. Um, but also, it, it's nice to help, you know, the, the self-published community and, and work with everybody. So I've done that for a couple of years now, too. And I will say, I'm afraid you're going to get flooded here. Lori is excellent. She copy edits the final versions of my books. And I've sent some other independent yeah. equine authors her way. Yeah, so again, <laughs> this is this is a community that supports and takes care of each other. And she does excellent work. Highly recommend. Thank you. Uh, but I get priority because I, yes, I work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, but she, yeah, she, you've edited, um, copy edited uh, my sequel and my third book. And I wish you had copy edited in the reins. Um, but that was before we knew each other. So That's yeah. Great. So, That's and great. I will continue using you for the life Thank of my you. books. You I appreciate it. Always appreciate service. the business. Yeah. She, she's very good with, uh, you know, catching those last minute things. And you also make recommendations that are, that are very good too, for some adjustments. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate your work and sure. I love giving you credit inside my books too, which is, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you started out on the adventure, you know, between writing your books, starting the blog, having the popular Instagram channel and then freelancing, is there anything that you wish you had known when you started out about any one of those things in particular? I wish, as far as uh, publishing the books, I wish that I had been a little braver, mm. I guess. Um, when I first published Where the Bluegrass Grows, I was so petrified. And like petrified is a great word to describe me putting any of my work out into the world. I was so petrified that everybody would hate it, especially it's your first novel. You know, you don't have like your base support that you get after that. And I was so scared that I like, I gave it life and then I let it die. Like I did nothing. I did virtually no marketing. I did share it on my Instagram a couple of times. Um, I wrote about it on my blog. But like, that was it. I did virtually nothing to market it uh, because I was scared. I was, I was afraid if I marketed it and then people actually read it and they hated it. Well, all of that hard work would have like felt like for nothing. And it would just would have broken my heart. So I didn't do anything for, you know, three years. Meanwhile, I'm working on kicking on and I get to the point where I'm like, okay, you can do this, you can do this. And I, I put that one out into the world. And then by the time I did, I had developed a plan for how to market it a little bit better. And so I wish that I, and I was very um, diligent and I, I took my time with that one a little bit more. Whereas where the bluegrass grows, I just published it and I was like, there you go, out into the world and I'm going to forget about you. But with Kicking On, I knew exactly um, the influencers that I wanted to send it to. So they would share on, on their social media channels. 
Um, I knew which blogs I wanted to reach out to for some PR. I knew, um, you know, some local events I wanted to do, some local tax shops. I wanted to see if I could get them, you know, physical copies in there to try to sell. So I was a little more, um, I guess a little, a little bit more measured with how I put it out there and, and I guess a little more confident, you know, mm -hmm. and you get that as, as you get that your base that you feel like is going to be behind you. Yeah. And the, you know, it's, it's just the nature of being an author. Like, I thank you so much for sharing that because I think your experience, you're not alone. I mean, I think that first book is scary for everyone. And then, you know, the, the hurry up and get it done and publish it into the world rather than taking your time. I think that's also something that yeah. a lot of first time authors have experienced and then they have to go back and make some adjustments and, right. you know, maybe clean up some editing, but, but, but that's a hurdle in itself just to get it out there because that's right. the very first step. I love how you, uh, you know, talked about being more confident and being more, mm -hmm. um, ready for the, for the next experience you can't write something that everyone's going to love. Right. You know, it's like, that's just the way it is with books. Like if you look mm -hmm. at Stephen King and JK Rawlings or mm -hmm. Stephanie Meyer who wrote Twilight, any of these big authors, right. even somebody's bashing their book. You exactly. know, it's just, you can't please everyone. You have to write for yourself and then give your book baby life and then let it go and move, you know, go to the next thing and just keep creating. And exactly like, writing music art like it's so subjective like you know I might love it you might hate it and that's okay you know I wanted to ask you too so this I thought this was really interesting so you recently launched a standalone author website under your own name Laurie Bergley yeah. in addition to your um your blogging site the Maryland Equestrian why did you think it was important why do you think it's important for authors to have their own websites mm -hmm. under their own writing name Right. I just, again, just like kind of for like the branding recognition of it, I felt like, you know, Marilyn Equestrian is a variety of things. You know, it's, it's me talking about my horses. It's me talking about other people's books. It's me, my books too. It's me talking about what's going on, you know, renovating my farm or whatnot. Um, so it's just a variety of things. And so I thought that maybe I should really kind of zero in for, for my books. I really needed to zero in a little bit put my name out there, you know, just because, you know, if I am known as Marilyn Equestrian, I feel like, you know, if you're going to search for me in my books, you should probably know my name too. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of give my books and my authorship a, just a little a home elsewhere that was solely devoted to them. Well, and, that, and that's a really great point that you just made, because that, that is the recommendation that authors, uh, when they choose their websites, they choose their own name. And then also, you know, it, like you mentioned this a little bit, and we've kind of danced around the fact that you, you, you work with your husband. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, when we first met, you had a full-time job and you were doing all this in addition to that. So you still have a full-time job, but I was wondering, did you ever expect to be able to work for yourself full-time as a freelancer, a blogger, an author, and with your husband helping build his company, Be All Inclusive? Mm -hmm. um, and be able to support yourself. Is this like a dream come true for you? Like it really, it absolutely is. So my husband and I were just talking about this the other day, like even as little as like three or four years ago, we never could have imagined that we would be in the place where we are. So um, I think when you and I met, I was working, I was working from home for a staffing company based in um, Atlanta. I was, I was working from home. It was great. 
but you know, it was your typical nine to five. I was working in marketing and communications and I really liked it. Um, and my husband was a full-time photographer and he had started a travel business a couple of years prior. And it was just kind of like making some extra income, that sort of thing. Well, then the travel business started to grow. And then, you know, he's doing photography and travel. And then like, sorry, we start, you know, slow down and the travel starts to pick up. And we specialize in like destination weddings, large groups, things like that. But we can also book, you know, individual travel as well. And then it got to a point a couple of years ago where he's just like, I need to hire someone. And, you know, I would prefer it to be you, you know, that way we could work together. But um, so we kind of crunched numbers. And sure enough, I left my nine to five two years ago, just over two years ago um, to work full time with him with the travel company. and. I have to be honest, like I was nervous, like financially, could we do it? Um, you know, was our marriage going to suffer? Because <laughs> we live together, work together, always together. Oh, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people would struggle with that. A lot of relationships would struggle with that. But uh, we've done really well. I think the key is he has his own office downstairs. I have my own office here. We have our own space. And then within the business itself, we have our own uh, responsibilities. He's really focused on like the sales side. I'm focused on more of like the day-to-day -day operations. We're actually just getting ready to hire our first employee. Uh, she's going to start in March. And so, you know, things have grown to that point where, you know, it's time to bring on some additional help. And so we are, I mean, to say that we like, are thankful and blessed and all of like, we can't, get, I can't get over it. And I keep thinking like, you know, 10 years ago, Laurie would be looking at current day Laurie and being like, oh my God, you're living the dream. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get, you know, because it's everything I wanted to work from home, be here. Like I'm looking outside right now, I see Bailey grazing in the field and it's just, there's nothing like that. Yeah. And it gets a little, um, little isolating sometimes to have everything here at home. I, I could do not, like sometimes I will go, five, six days without leaving the house. Like, cause I, you know, I have nowhere to go. I work from home, my animals are at home. Um, so sometimes we'll just get out and take a drive just to get out of the house. But, you know, it's just, you know, to be able to be in control of your business and your work and your income, it's a very exciting feeling, but also very scary too. You know, we work so hard and so many hours because if you're self-employed, you are, oh, you're afraid to say no. You got to say yes to everything because this could all dry up tomorrow. You know, you just have that constant mentality to say yes, yes, yes. And you tend to, you know, take on too much, but you know, there's no guarantee that think business is going to continue. So you just always feel like you're, you know, kind of overdoing it, but at the same time, very satisfying to watch something you built grow and, you know, kind of take off. So that love love every day that is so cool and i will also link to the be all inclusive uh instagram channel yep. in your show notes because you manage that channel and your husband mm -hmm. takes pictures and it's a yeah. really cool travel channel with really beautiful photography so we'll give you a little you. little prop there and congratulations i mean that is really cool and that is honestly living the dream i mean i'm so excited and happy for you and then Thank and you. it was a side gig for a while that ended up growing into this. So like how for a many, long time, how many years would you say that it took to build momentum for mm -hmm. the travel company to, to be able to stand on its own legs? I think so. 
we were talking about this the other day, actually. He started it in 2012. And then I, I think he was basically full-time, kind of had started to leave his photography by like 2017. So about five years mm. for it to totally sustain him. Mm-hmm. And then we had decided when the travel, in the travel business, we got to the point where it could replace my income, then it was time for me to leave my job. And so that took another year or so because so, I left my job in early 2018. Mm-hmm. So all in all, it took six years to grow full-time enough to support both of us. Um, and that was, to be honest, initially, it was it was very part-time and he didn't put a, a whole lot of effort into it because he was still doing his full-time photography. So it just kind of, and it really was sort of a um, follow the money sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because he loved photography. I really liked my marketing job and it was just, you know, but of course we love travel too. And it was just one of those things where as it's growing, you just, you follow the money and, you know, we're like, okay, this is really picking up momentum. Let's kind of refocus. And that's what we did. And, you know, it's been two years, two years supporting both of us. So that's great. And it sounded like you really did smart moves. So, you know, you mm-hmm. didn't dump the gun, you built it before you yes. decided, and then you made smart decisions about where to focus your energy. So right. I mean, that's yes. really making smart decisions is like 99% of being an entrepreneur. So it sounds right. like yeah. you're doing that correctly. And that's yeah. great. Thank um, you for, for asking those questions though, because I have to say, I get a lot of questions on Instagram where people will message me and they'll say, do you work? Because like I do post about my horses and stuff in the middle of like a Tuesday afternoon and they're like, shouldn't she be at work? It's like, yes, I do work. You know, it's like, I just work from home. So sometimes I like have to remind people like, yes, I do work. I have a job, you know, because people just, they just see, you know, you see like, hey, I'm posting at two o'clock on a Tuesday and mm-hmm. I'm riding and they're like, whoa, must be nice. You know, and I'm just like, no, no, no. I will be working after this. And I worked before that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've just designed your life to be able to have the freedom to do all these things in addition to your full-time job. Right. You know, you may work more, but you can go ride your horse at two o'clock in the afternoon and post on Instagram. You know, you can work early, you can work late, you can sleep in if you don't feel well Mm -hmm. and then work later. And I think that kind of freedom is, is what we would all like to have more of. So good on you for Figuring out a way to make that work for you. Uh, what are you curious about right now? Like, what what do you what are you exploring? So, I can answer that question a lot of different ways. I'm curious about everything. <laughs> um, from a author perspective, I'm a little curious about where to go next. Um, if you are out there and you have read all three of my books, get in touch with me because I want to pick your brain. Yes, I have. I have so many different ideas. I'm just trying to kind of dial down to see like what my readers really want to see. You know, do they want to see uh, book four? Would they rather see me go down a different path with a different series? Do they want to see, um, you know, the short? I am working on a short story collection, but I would like that to come next. But I'm just kind of curious what characters you liked, which ones you didn't, that sort of thing, just so I can really, you know, I want to, I write for my readers. And so I want to make sure I'm writing about something that they want to read about. On a personal level, I'm curious about time management. I published um, Taking Off in November, and I don't think I've written much since then, just, you know, from a time perspective. It's been tough. So I really, you know, I'm curious about what I can do to make 
make time for everything, you know, and that's, that's hard to do. And, you know, typical work, work-life balance thing. So as a reader and lover of all three of your books, like I, I'm actually pretty excited about book four. Um, yeah. but of course I'll read anything that you, you do read. I want to know what happens next for Aaron. Cause I, I'm just okay. like, and I was like, ah, tell me what happens next. <laughs> um, but it, and it, but, and it also sounds like you're already taking steps towards achieving that goal of looking at ways to create, um, you know, more work-life balance and time management because you are hiring that third person. So it sounds like you're, you're taking steps in a way to ease some of that, that, um, stress on your time, which right. is, which is really great. And that's good. It's, it's all goals. Yeah. And it's all like, what's, you know, what is the next situation that life is going to put in front of me that I need to figure out how to handle? There's no problems. There's just t- situations to manage, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I so love this, um, this conversation and I enjoyed having you in the show and I know we're going to be friends for a long time and you're going to work on my next book, which is coming soon. And, you know, we support each other and you're, you're awesome. You elevate other equine authors, uh, through the Maryland equestrian and then also, you know, your freelance work. Um, so can you share with people where they can find you and your books? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so my books are on Amazon search for my name, Laurie Bergley, or you can search for any of the titles. They are paperback and ebook. Um, there's links on my website that will link to Amazon. So lauriebergley.com, themarylandequestrian.com. And then you can find me and more information about me and my books and whatnot at Maryland Equestrian on Instagram. And I will link to all those places in the show notes so people can get to you easily. Uh, Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. I always enjoy talking with you. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.